enjoy the quietness for a moment. Your eardrums get a workout in this church, man. It's, it's a workout worshiping in this church, isn't it? I come to church, man, I'm sweating and carrying on, and, you know, I stink by the time I get home. <laughs> and it's really bad when you forget to change your shirt and, you know, not wash it, I mean, you know, and then wear it a couple weeks later and you put it on and you start worshiping the Lord and you think, man, somebody stinks in here. <laughs> and you discover it's you. Anybody ever did that besides me? <laughs> That was really great, wasn't it? We just are so thankful. You know, uh, it's great to have a home, okay? And home is a place where you can really be yourself, right? And, you know, you go to other people's homes and you have to sort of not really let the real you totally out. Yeah? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So I was so glad to get, I've been in some other homes this week and I had to kind of you know, sneak myself out in you know, little ways. But when you come home, I thought, oh, man, it's so good to be here. I can just be me. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't really care what anybody thinks. You know how you are at home. You just drag around the house, dress the way you want to dress, you know, looking the way you want to look. You don't really care. You know, that's the way our, your, your church home should be. You should, I mean, seriously, you should be, you should be able to have a, a church home where you can come and just be you yeah. and be happy and not have to worry about stuff you do other places. Now, when you go other places, you need to be gracious, right? And sneak the Holy Spirit on people. There's ways of doing it without them knowing you're doing it. And they'll certainly start getting touched by the Lord, and they won't know what's happening to them, right? All righty. Well, you know, what we're discovering, though, in other places is there's a lot of people that are really, I'm talking about Christian people who are not normally associated with moves of the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they would be born-again people who really love the Lord and ha- obviously have the Holy Spirit living in them, but they're not really uh, um, associated or used to the Lord really, you know, yelling and carrying on, you know, the, that aspect of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But there's a hunger in people out there. I meet more and more people that have this hunger in their heart for more expression of God in their heart. And, and it's really something God's doing everywhere. And I believe it's the beginning, of, it's a trickle from heaven of an awakening that God's going to bring in our nation. I really believe that there's an awakening coming, there's a desire coming in people that's growing in them for more than just, you know, more than just Christianity as usual, more than church as usual, more than anything, you know, missions, whatever, you, you know, your thing may be. God is stirring in people right now. And let Him stir in your hearts. And when you're around people like that, pay attention and ask the Lord to give you uh, wisdom to know how to talk to them and encourage them, you know, in a way that they can hear it. Amen? And since you came to church here this morning, you just get to hear it just any old way, right? Come on now. One of the things, though, I believe is for us. You see, I'm saying, Lord, I need more revelation of your Holy Spirit. I need more. I need to know you more. So I had this uh, thing this year. I want to just tell you real quick again. Just sort of, I'm going to review is that the first of the year, just like, you know, my goal for the year, not my resolution, because I don't really do resolutions, because I never can keep them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) 
so I just don't even mess with resolutions. But I do have goals in my life. I'm pretty good at goals. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, you know, kind of, Matt Fat. at one point I was too good at goals, and the Lord told me to quit doing goals. Have you ever been like that, you, that you're so goal-oriented that you fought and fought to get to your goal, and you got to your goal, and you were just like, oh, I've achieved my goal, and then you thought, there's another one I've got to achieve. And you can never really enjoy, you know, and the Lord had to teach me, stop it. Just stop. You, your life is running by you. You know, you're, you're being consumed. You know, your, your children are growing up and going to be gone, and you're all consumed about some goal. Right? And once you've got it, you can't even give yourself the grace to enjoy it. And so I've learned to enjoy life more. And now I'm enjoying life and having some, some goals because I'm letting the Lord manage my goals and not me manage them. But this year, my goal was this. This is my goal. is You know what? This year, I want to know the Lord Jesus better. That's my goal. And I'm going to give myself to Him. And I'm going to pursue knowing Him in a deeper way, and I bought a bunch of books about Jesus, okay, and uh, I bought them from every stream of the church that I could find, I spent, well, not a bunch, because, you know, you Kindle, you can buy, you know, you can buy stuff dirt cheap on that, right, but I did buy some real books, because I still like real books, too, uh, but, you know, so I bought all this, it's just to try to get you know, Lord, help me. I'm, I'm wanting to know you. And I just decided I was going to read the Gospels over and over and over and over just to get to know this person of Christ better. And so some of the books weren't worth reading, in my opinion. I mean, it was like, daggone, am I, am I trying to be a professor of theology here? You know, the, that Jesus was so uh, such an abstract person. You know, that's the way it felt to me. He, he was this abstract object in these books, so... I did make myself read through them, though. But there were some that was really good, that really was very powerfully touching to my heart. Uh, but this is what happened. This is the crazy thing that happened. I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Not Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came to me and began to reveal Himself to me, and... It was powerful. It was really powerful. And it really made me feel a lot of conviction in my life about the person of the Holy Spirit. Realizing that I had diminished the Holy Spirit many ways in my life unknowingly. And I had not given the Holy Spirit the honor that He absolutely requires. Not just ask for, He requires it because the Holy Spirit is God. And for somehow in my heart and my mind, I had made the Holy Spirit like the lesser person of the Trinity. Not intentionally, but nevertheless. You know, you can be sincere about things, and but be sincerely wrong. You know, because I, I told the Lord that time, Lord, I was real sincere about that. And he said, you're sincerely wrong. <laughs> and so... I thought it was amazing looking back on that experience that that experience came out of my desire to know Christ because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2, He will take of what is Jesus and give it to us. In other words, God was answering my prayer. God was fulfilling my goal, but in my goal of drawing closer to Jesus and knowing Him in a greater way by revealing the Holy Spirit to me. Because there's no way you or I can know Jesus 
apart from the Holy Spirit because He is the Spirit of Christ. He's everything on this earth. He, the, the, the Holy Spirit is everything on this earth. And that's what has really been growing in my heart, you know, in the past, you know, couple of two or three months since I had that really beautiful moment with the Holy Spirit is, you know, He's everything. And if I'm going to have a relationship with Jesus, if I'm going to have a relationship with the Father, He's the only person, He's the only part of God, He's the only expression of God that can, that can allow me to have that. And so, you know, my goal is still to know Jesus better, but the way He's fulfilling that goal is revealing the Holy Spirit more to me. Amen? Yeah. And so that's really sort of got, got me started down this, this road. Um, I wanted to read that, Revelations 1.4. Uh, I read it a few weeks ago. In the in the book of Revelations, there's this uh, term called the seven spirits of God or the seven spirits. Uh, it's, this is the introduction. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And it also mentions the, the seven spirits of God in Revelations 3.1, Revelations 4.5, and Revelations 5.6. I'm not going to take the time to read all those this morning. I think I've read them a few weeks ago. But, but what I discovered was, um, you know, because I never really gave much attention to that word, the seven spirits of God. Like, it, you know, it was just sort of like, well, yeah, okay, whatever that is, you know. <laughs> right, you know, sometimes you just don't catch things. Well, you know, I began to realize that what that means, it doesn't mean there's, there's seven Holy Spirits. I've said that. I keep saying that because, I mean, I said that 20 times in one message and somebody came up to me afterwards. You mean there's seven Holy Spirits? <laughs> somebody said that. No, there's not seven. There's one Holy Spirit. In the Bible, seven is a word of completeness, okay, and maturity. And so God is in the last days. That's what this tells us. In the last days, there's a greater revelation of the Holy Spirit that God wants to release into the earth. Okay, there's a perfect revelation. There's a full revelation of the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, we can be the most spirit-filled, charismatic, gospel, uh, you know, Pentecostal, however, whatever you want to title it, all day long, but we haven't seen the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We really are way down the road in seeing what that really looks like in that experience of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe, so you see, if you know some stuff, you don't know anything. Okay, I mean, the more you know, the more, more you don't know. That's the way we need to position ourselves before, before God because God's bigger than what we realize He is. In fact, the people who know the most about the Lord are the people who know the least about Him. They know that, right? So I love people who don't know anything. Jesus said, he, Who is blind is my servant? Who is deaf is my servant? In other words, Jesus didn't. He was saying that He was not the know-all. Although he was, he was the know-all. You see, what I'm saying is God's looking for people that he can reveal himself to and talk to. And our theology, our doctrines, what we think we know won't get in the way. Are you following that? And you'll discover in your life that things that you think you know, and you, your anointing, your callings, your giftings, all that stuff, that stuff can be a hindrance. Arthur Burt, one time I remember him, at that time he had been walking to the Lord 80 years, and he said that could be one of the greatest liabilities in my life is my 80 years of experience in the Lord. You see, at that time, I thought, how could that be a, how could that be a liability? You've been walking with the Lord closer than anybody for 80 years. And you're saying it's a liability? He's saying it was a liability because, you know, apart from the Lord Himself, apart from Jesus, we, it doesn't matter what we have. You know? 
None of that stuff matters. And God wants us to begin to live our life like that. That's the true definition of being poor in spirit. It's when we're not depending on anything but Him, the Lord Himself. Amen? Are y'all good? Are y'all good this morning? So I wanted to read this uh, Isaiah eleven one through two. I think I've given like three messages, two messages out of Isaiah. I've been doing a lot of messages out of this, so I might be repeating myself more than I can should. But it says there shall come forth from a, a rod from the stem of Jesse. Of course, that is the Lord Himself. Uh, don't you love that He's a rod? You know, I mean that's good news, right? Your rod and staff shall comfort me. I would rather have him comforting me than getting a beating with that rod, right? And I, thank God that he's my shepherd, and he I'm in on the people getting comforted by it, not the people getting beaten by it, right? We're not vessels of wrath. We're vessels of mercy. And the branch, well, there he goes, shall grow out of his roots, Oh, that's really good, isn't it? The branch. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So that's, I think, I believe that's the, the, the place in the Bible where he lays out what the seven spirits of God really look like. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. That's who he is. He is the Spirit of the Lord. Okay, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord rests upon me. Okay, so that's who He is, and these other uh, manifestations are, are more what He does. He is the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's the Spirit of counsel and might. He's the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And when we begin for those revelations of Him to come, and it, everything I believe everything flows out of the Lordship of Him being the Spirit of the Lord. Like That's the top revelation of who He is. That really is who the Holy Spirit is. He is the Spirit of the Lord more than He is anything else. And then out of that Spirit of the Lord flows wisdom and understanding. And I think they work together. I think that's why it's written the way it was written. They work together. They work in tandem. In other words, wisdom leads to understanding. Counsel leads to might. Knowledge leads to the fear of the Lord. Right? I believe that. That's how I believe this this works. Okay? And I think the Scripture really points it out like that. And so, you know, honestly, one of the things that I feel in my personal life, and I feel it, you know, for our church, I feel it for the church in America is that we have a, a, a lack of the spirit of might working in the church. That's just my personal belief. I think we have a low level of power, a much lower level of power than what, the, what I believe the Bible indicates that we can have. Okay, and so I've been really asking the Lord about that. Uh, why, Lord, are we such powerless people when we have so much power inside of us? We have the resurrection. You know, if the same Spirit that dwells in you, that raised Jesus from the dead, if it dwells in you, it's going to quicken your mortal body. That means bring life to your mortal body. We have the, the Spirit. Isn't it an amazing thought 
this morning, the way Jesus was resurrected from the dead, it was the Spirit of God that brought Him alive. That's powerful, isn't it? I mean, it makes you want to repent again. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, Holy Spirit. I've not really given you the honor. You know, because Jesus would still be in the tomb if there wasn't a Holy Spirit. Now, that's powerful. When we begin to think that way, we begin to think. Yet, I feel we are not walking in the fullness of what we have. I feel there's a need to see miracles I feel there's a need to see healings in people's lives. I, I see there's a need to raise people from the dead. You know, I see these needs to see families that are being destroyed to stop that. I see that need. Okay, there's needs all in the church, and the world is consumed with needs. The world is, is, is desperate. And so I believe the Bible teaches those needs are met by the power of God. They're not met by theology. And I'm, and I'm not putting theology down. I'm just saying theology has never got a person out of hell into heaven. Theology has never got a person who had a disease in their body, got them healthy. Okay? So it's not that we're down on theology. Theology is a good thing in its right place. It's meant to serve us, to help us understand this person. But obviously... We have taken theology and made it into something warped or we wouldn't be in the state we would, we're in. We wouldn't have to have encounters with the Holy Spirit to get us to understand who He is because we believe something that's wrong and He has to go and undo it in our lives. So that tells me all our knowledge, all our theology and all our experience may be working against us. It may be working against us. It may be keeping us back from something that God really wants in our lives. And that's that full revelation of, of the Holy Spirit. Because when we get a full revelation of Him, we're going to get a full revelation of Jesus Christ. And when we get a real full revelation of the Holy Spirit, we're going to get a full revelation of God the Father. And that's what He so desires to do. And so... You know, I just had this really four-hour conversation with the Lord one day about this. And, you know, I got a little bit nervous in the middle of the conversation because, you know, when you start questioning the Lord, you know, about things, you have to be careful that you don't start accusing the Lord. You know what I'm saying? In other words, somebody could not like what you're doing and want an appointment with you and begin to question what you're doing, and the next thing you know, you're getting a fire beat out of you. Because it ain't went from just having sincere, genuine questions to you're being accused and condemned and criticized. I mean, you're looking for, like, is there a door that I can get out of this room right now? Because I'm not really feeling good about this conversation. And, you know, anybody ever had that happen to them? <laughs> yeah. I always make sure I know where the exit is. Just in case, I gotta go. I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm sorry, I got a stomachache. <laughs> you just gave me a bad stomachache. <laughs> I gotta get away from all that, and so I can hear God again. You know what He's saying. And so, I was getting nervous about my conversation with the Lord because I thought, Lord, I, I, there's no, nothing in me that wants to criticize you. Obviously, the problem is not on your end; it's on our end. Help, Lord. That's how the conversation ended. Like, please help. 
please help, Lord, because we feel called to do a lot of things. We have a lot of vision to do a lot of things, but we continually fall short in in most of the things. So, but I do think that the spirit of counsel is is absolutely critical to walking in the power of God. I think the spirit of counsel will release the spirit of might into the church, into the people's lives. Um, because, well, that's, that's what it sort of says there in Isaiah 11 too. Um, uh, Isaiah 9, 6 calls Jesus wonderful counselor. Actually, if you read your Bible, it probably has a, counsel, uh, a comma between wonderful and counselor. It, you can just take that comma out because it really doesn't belong there. Okay, because there's not a comma there. It's wonderful counselor. And the next thing it's calls Jesus mighty God. I believe the spirit of counsel is we desperately need the spirit of counsel to begin to operate in our lives. And I believe when it begins to really operate in our life, it's going to release us into the spirit of might. The worst thing that can happen to a person is for the Lord to put the spirit of might on them, and they'll wind up like Samson in the Old Testament. You know, Samson had the spirit of might operating on him. You know, it says he killed a young lion. I always used to think, well, heck, I could probably kill a cub lion, you know, give me a stick or something or a pole. I'd hit him upside the head, you know. I was thinking about this little bitty thing, but a young lion in the Bible is like a male lion in his prime, I mean, there ain't no man going to fight no Tarzan. You know, those who remember Tarzan, he used to fight lions and beat them up and stab them. Well, there ain't no man could fight a lion, okay? And But the spirit of might would come on Samson, and he would take a lion and say he would tear him to pieces with his hands. And that was the spirit of might. But because he lacked counsel, because he lacked wisdom, because he lacked understanding, he had a rough ending in his life. And so we are asking the Lord for a fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're not asking Him just for might and go out and do something good one day and the next day uh, be locked up or leaving your family or doing some horrible thing. That's just ridiculous. Are y'all good? You're just sitting there. You should act like you're doing worship, right? Just get up and yell and carry on. <laughs> so I remember... Years ago, this is a long time ago, okay, I'm talking about early 80s, we were in church one Sunday, and somehow we were praying for people at the end, and I was one of the ones getting prayed for. You should let people pray for you, uh, your friends, because I have found words that friends give tend to be pretty accurate. I always thought, well, we know each other too well, but i tell you something, there's something powerful about people that know you giving you prophetic words because they love you, okay, they, there's a love there. You know, and that love can release something from God, okay? But I remember these people praying for me as like it was yesterday, and they said they were, and this was like when I was just as like, I didn't really know where I was headed in my life spiritually at that time. I mean, I knew I was going to follow the Lord and love the Lord, but in terms of a calling and all that stuff, that was sort of not part of my program at that moment. Not this calling anyway. But somebody said, Byron, this is what I see on you. I see a spirit of counsel on you. And I thought, I don't really want that. <laughs> That's what I thought. And somebody else said, I see it. That's exactly what I was thinking. You have a spirit of counsel. God's going to use you in the spirit of counsel. 
I was I left church that day a little bit unhappy about my prophetic words. I'm gonna be honest with you, because I'm thinking I don't have to counsel people, Lord. You know, I really don't want to do that for my life. That's not my program here. So I was sort of rejecting that spirit of counsel thing. I didn't know about Isaiah 11 too. I didn't have a clue about any of that. If I did, if I did, then I'd have been jumping up and rejoicing. Since then, I've been like, Lord, I am so sorry. I said that. I I was just kidding, Lord. Please forgive me. Give me the spirit of counsel if you don't give me anything else. Because I know what's following it. And so, this is what literally happened to me. I can't believe this happened to me when I think about it. I was working as an engineer, and people started coming to me for counsel. <laughs> literally, I would have people coming to my, grown men, engineers, really smart people, sit down in my office and, can I talk to you a minute? <laughs> you want me to shut the door? Yes. And they would weep over their girlfriends or their wives or their children and say, you seem like a person that I can talk to about this. I wasn't connecting with the spirit of counsel until later. I just sat there and listened to them and just tell them what I thought, actually. Like, well, you know, I think it's going to be all right. <laughs> you think so, Byron? Yeah, it's going to be all right. She's not going to leave you. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for her. But that was the Lord. It wasn't me, obviously. I wasn't going around doing anything to promote that kind of activity at work, right? Because, I mean, you know, you're supposed to be working, not giving people counsel. But that was just sort of the beginning, you know. And now, this year, I've discovered that more about this spirit of counsel that God really wants all of us to walk in. And I wanted to read a couple of scriptures one of them is Psalm 105, uh, 3 through 4. Uh, I think I read this to you a while back, you know, when the Lord first spoke to me, because one of the things He's told me was He didn't, He felt dishonored. The Holy Spirit felt dishonored by people. And one of the things He felt dishonored by was people that don't want to seek the Lord for counsel and seek the Lord for advice with their lives. And even had a friend say that to me. I'm just not interested in the Holy Spirit. I don't really want to do that with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to seek the Holy Spirit about what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, are you kidding me? You don't? You know, I mean, I wanted to hit them is the way I felt because you're just going to ruin your life if you don't do that. Even though he can be difficult about seeking him for your life. He doesn't answer you to what he wants to an- you want him to answer. And he don't answer sometimes right away. And sometimes when he answers you, you don't like the answer, right? So you can understand on a natural level, like forget the Holy Spirit because one, He takes forever to answer. Two, when He does answer, you don't like the answer. And three, you can't even understand what He's talking about half the time when He talks to you. You got to go figure it out, right? So you, and on a natural level, you can got to get that, but this is what it says. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Let the hearts of those rejoice. In other words, he was saying, this is what he told me, Byron, you should consider it an honor, an honor to have me. Not everybody in the world has me like that, where they can go to me and say, I need you to help me with this. I need you to talk to me about this. You and I are honored people. We're honored people. We're, very, we're highly honored to have the counselor. The counselor. He don't just have counsel. He's the counselor. He's the wonderful counselor. We have him, and he is desirous to talk to us. 
Okay, he desires that. Um, seek the Lord. I will love this for the rest of my life. Seek the Lord in what? His strength. Oh, praise the Lord. Don't seek the Lord's hand. Just seek, seek his face. Some religious baloney. <laughs> yeah, you've heard that lie. Well, there it is, black and white. Seek the Lord and his strength. God's looking for people who are not afraid to say, I need your strength. And I'm going to tell you, God's strong. Right? And then it says, seek his face forevermore. I would say that would be like the face of the Lord. That could be lots of things. It could be intimacy, right? Intimacy, yes. I'm going to seek intimacy and not his strength. There's nothing virtuous about that thought. It's not biblical. He wants us to seek his strength. He wants us to seek his face, his counsel, his intimacy, his closeness, and his power. Both. You have permission to do that. That's the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might. Together. They work together. Let's don't try to divide something God's not dividing. So it's a joy and a relief, I want to tell you. Let's make it a joy. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Make it. And you know what? It, it will become a joy to you if you'll let it. Oh, let me give you this one here in Job 29. Are y'all okay this morning? Or did you get so wore out screaming that you... I had to shut the screaming down at one point. I'm, like, I'm not going to have a voice left here. I've got to get out of this. I'm just going to scream in my mind. <laughs> Lord, I'm screaming in my mind. <laughs> you know the old thing. The daddy tells the kid to shut, sit down. And he sits down, but he says he's standing up on the inside. Or even better, the guy comes out with a black eye. What happened, man? Well, I was in a bar, and the guy said to, to uh, shut up, and I thought he said stand up. <laughs> you know, he got punched. Come on, y'all. Those are better j- jokes than Dean could ever tell. <laughs> now listen to this Job thing. This is powerful. Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me, when His lamp shone upon my head, and when by His light I walked through darkness, just as I was in the days of my prime, listen to this, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent. The friendly counsel of God. Think Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen, The intimate friendship of the Lord. The friendliness of God. God's a friend. God wants to show Himself as a friend in a friendship manner by the, by the spirit of counsel where it, over your tent, over your home, over your heart, over your life. That's really what God wants to do. That's when we're talking about this. And it's really cool. When the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me, listen to this. Don't you love this? When my steps were bathed with cream. Don't you love that language? My steps were bathed with cream. Why? Because this hard to hear and talk to person is over me with his counsel. He bathes my steps in cream. That sounds good to me. I mean, that sounds really good. Cream. Cream from heaven that your steps are bathed in. I'm talking bathed in, soaked in. That's the counsel of God. Oh, and it gets really good too. And the rock poured out 
rivers of oil. Rivers of oil for me. That's what God has for every human being on this planet. Job lost it somehow. We don't, we haven't even gained it in some ways. There's, God wants to do that for us. And it comes through the spirit of counsel residing in your life. It really does. Are y'all all right? Woo, mercy Lord, let me read Psalm 33, 10-11. This is really good. Mr. Hill will know about this one. You know, Becky gave a scripture for river life, Psalm 46, right? There's a river. Y'all remember that? Okay. That was a great message last week, wasn't it? I'll be honest with you about that message last week. You should all listen to it if you haven't. Because to me, and I'm not saying this just because Becky's my wife, it could have been somebody I didn't even like. If I'd have heard that message preached, I would have said that that's one of the most significant messages preached in this church in a really long time. So it really says something. It really says something really good. Both of them were. Anyways, this is Jim. how Jim named his heart missions. Psalm 33, uh, <clears throat> verse 11, is his, his, that's his verse for his ministry. It says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? It's, it's beautiful. Did you? So the point is, is that men plan, men counsel. That's what he's saying. Men plan, men. Now who doesn't plan in here? Even Becky plans. As out of control as she is with her life. She plans. Her spontaneous life that she totally lives. That used to drive me nuts. Like, I can't do this. I, you know, I mean, let's go to the beach. Like, when? Well, now. You know, I can't do that, Becky. She still never got me to do that. She still had. I've resisted. I've become more spontaneous. We all, all, all people plan, all people have counsel, receive counsel, give counsel, whatever. But it says here, only the Lord's plans and only the Lord's counsel is really going to stand. And you see, I think for me and some of us, one of the reasons some of the things that God's called us to do hadn't worked is because we haven't allowed the counsel of the Lord to be the prime thing in our life. In fact, some of us, some of us need to repent this morning for rejecting the counsel of the Lord. You know, I'm, I've, I already have. I can join you in the repentance. I, I mean, I'm not saying you, that's, I'm just saying we can plan stuff till the cows come home. But if the Lord's not in those plans, if we're not taking His counsel about those plans, in the end, I don't care what you do, it's not going to work. And I think that's one of the dangers that we've fallen into in our lives is we've, some of the things haven't worked is we've made plans without really getting His counsel and we've not really had that spirit of counsel working. Um, you know, that's for individuals, obviously. He said nations, that's sort of the cover-all. It just, you can back it down from there. It's for churches. It's for individuals. It's for households. 
you know, we really need the spirit of counsel working. I mean, and I think in this day more than ever, because for one reason, this, you know, obviously we're living in a, a time in the world where things are shifting and changing in our country, right? And in the world, everything's changing. But we're living in a new season spiritually. Don't be such a foolish person to go out and decide how this new season is going to be for you, okay, without the counsel of the Lord. Because what will happen is you can go a few weeks, a few days, a few months, maybe even years and years and years, but one day those plans that you made in that life that you've developed for yourself is going to not work because the counsel of the Lord. Are y'all following this? This is really important. I'm telling you, this to me is like, I've got to get the counsel of the Lord in my life. I've got to have His counsel. I've got to. Because it says in verse 16 through 18, that was the spirit of counsel, verse 10 and 11. 16 and 18 is the spirit of might. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any of its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him and those who hope in His mercy. In other words, you know, you go from your plans to implementation. And what it's saying here is you can have the greatest military on earth and the Lord is the one who decides who's going to win the fight because He can cause that greatest military on earth to fail utterly, utterly. That's, you know, you can have all the money in the world to do things, and it can fail utterly if the Lord is not in that. You can have the most talents. You can have the most spiritual gifting. You can have it all. But if the Lord, the counsel of the Lord is not there and God is not intricately involved in it, He can cause it to fail. And he will. That's what it's telling. The Lord will. If it's not his plan, he will. I think sometimes in our lives, well, sometimes in my life, it's like, you know, I just happen to stumble on the path of the counsel of the Lord. Like, you know, I'm just going to push him over there so he'll be on the right path. Even though he's not really sought me for it, I'm just going to have mercy on him just to keep him from living a life of, you know, utter failure. Have you ever thought about where you would be if you weren't saved. I mean, literally, have you ever sat down and thought about yourself and thought about how despicable you would be? Well, I know how despicable I would be. And I'm just like, like Lord, when I think about that, it breaks me on the inside. Like, Lord, you saved me. You saved me from certain destruction because I was, I was walking a path of destruction. And I would never able to be anything. I could have never been my true self if you wouldn't have saved me. If you wouldn't have brought me out. Now, that's the counsel of the Lord to bring us. Now, God wants to get in our lives and bring this, His counsel. I hope you're hearing the Lord in this. Okay, I wanted to read one scripture out of uh, <clears throat> the New Testament. And it's in Romans, this is about, particularly about the might of the Lord, um, which is the power of God, the strength of God, the force of God. This. It's the mighty deeds of God being manifest. This is what Paul said, uh, uh, Romans fifteen eight through 9. I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. Listen, in word and deed. Banish a Christianity 
that has no deeds to it. Banish it. It is not the Christianity of the Bible. Banish a Christianity that doesn't have the works of God being manifested. Let's just banish it. You will not find it anywhere in the Bible. Nowhere. It's not the, it's not the Christianity of the Bible. Christianity of the Bible is a Christianity of might. It's a Christianity of deeds. It's a Christianity of works. Now, I'm not talking about works for salvation. I'm talking about God doing His works. Didn't you love that song, uh, Stand the Skeletons Up? You know, that's the works. Of, sometimes we're those skeletons, about right? <laughs> to make the Gentiles obedient. And mighty signs and wonders. That's what the church doesn't have now. It's mighty signs and wonders. And God is calling us to be people. I don't care what you say. I don't care who abused it yesteryear. It doesn't matter. You know? Just because something's abused doesn't mean it's legitimate and we should shy away from it. Nobody's shying away from plugging their hair dryer in every morning, right? Just because somebody got electrocuted with a hair dryer once. Right? I mean, come on. God wants us to plug into His power. He really does. In mighty sign by the power of the Spirit of God. Isn't that powerful? So that from Jerusalem and around to everywhere, He preached the gospel. Jesus told the Jews in John 10, 37, Listen, you don't have to believe a word I say if I don't do mighty works. That's what Jesus said. Don't, you, you are not obligated to believe anything I say. But if I do do these mighty works, believe for their sake alone then. That's, that was Jesus. And he also told in, in John 14, 11, he told the disciples the same thing. He says, listen, if you don't believe me and the Father are one just because I say it, believe it because of the works I do. That's what he said. That was, he was telling his disciples that. And so God is really wanting, I believe, you know, this thing, Holy Spirit is Lord. See, this is where it all, He comes upon us. The Spirit of the Lord rests upon us. And He begins to restore our lives. Begins to put our lives in order. And then He begins to release the Spirit of wisdom and understanding to us. Then the Spirit of counsel and might to us. Okay? And then He releases the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord to us. And we begin to walk in these measures of these things. You know, of the Holy Spirit being like that. To us, But it all starts with Him being the Lord. You see, that's the key to, to make it all right, for it all to be right and all to be like, you know, the way God meant for it to be and the way it was in Jesus. Okay? Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is resting on me. That's what He said. The Spirit of the Lord is. And this counsel came from His mouth. This might came out of his hand. This wisdom beyond anything anybody ever heard came out of that man's mouth. It was a spirit of wisdom. It, his understanding of everything, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of, the spirit of fear of the Lord was on Jesus. He had an awe of God. He respected the Father. It was all, it all came out of the spirit of the Lord resting on him. And that's really, I believe, what God wants to do for us. Am I convinced you? <laughs> And I'm asking the Lord to do that in my life. I'm really saying, Lord, every day, Lord, let the Spirit of the Lord rest on me, Lord, today. I ask you, Spirit of the Lord, come. Blow on me afresh today, Lord. Just fresh come. I'm sorry about yesterday if I messed up or, you know, for the things I did bad. I'm sorry about that. And, I'm, you know, I'm thanking you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses my heart from an evil conscience. 
you know, so I don't have to deal with some, you know, condemnation working against me. But I, I tell you, you know, this is our answer, I believe. It's the Spirit of the Lord coming and resting on a, on a congregation. And I believe out of that can come a lot of good stuff. And so I want to encourage you this morning to, you know, make yourself vulnerable to Him. You know, make yourself available to Him and ask Him. And ask Him where you are grieving Him. And ask Him where you're quenching Him. Ask Him what you're thinking that you shouldn't be thinking. I'm not talking about just thinking bad thoughts. I'm not talking about thinking stuff you think is right. And you may even have a Bible verse to justify your thoughts. But then He says, that's not what that means. You know? Don't you love that day? I always thought it meant that, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. It meant opposite of what I thought it meant. That's a good day, though, right? All right, y'all stand up. <laughs> if you want to, you don't have to. Yes, Lord, we're so thankful for you. We're thankful for the Spirit of the Lord. And we're thankful, Lord, that you are available to us all the time. All the time, Lord. Lord, we don't have to be like Job where we lost something, but just in case there's people in here that's lost anything, which I think we all find, find ourselves at loss, I pray, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord would come and start restoring. I, I pray, Lord, for families this morning. The Bible says uh, about Abraham, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, so God is interested in restoring families. And, you know, that's what the Holy Spirit, I will restore unto you the years. I will restore the years. He's talking about the things where there was loss in your life, the years you lived that you didn't get what you needed. There are ever, There's people, all right, let me just say this. I went through a season where God said, I'm going to restore things to you that you didn't get as a child, that you needed, but your parents couldn't give them to you. I'm going to give them to you. That's what it means. I'm going to restore them. I'm going to go into your heart and I'm going to put things in there that you were supposed to get. That you were supposed to get. That's going to help you live a, a life of wholeness. Okay? And he started doing that. That's part of the restorative work of the Spirit of the Lord. That's one of the things that he does. It's, it's things like that. I will restore to you the years that the moth, you know, the canker worm, the swarm, all whatever, whatever you've lost, whatever you have been that's this somehow has gotten away from you. Whether it was because of somebody else's what they did or didn't do, or maybe what you did or didn't do. But God is a restorer. He doesn't hold nothing against us. All He is looking for is an open door in your life, and for you to allow Him to to do what He can do, to let Him be the Lord of your life, to let Him be the wonderful counselor and mighty God in your life. Just say, I invite you, a wonderful counselor. I invite you, mighty God, into my life. Begin to work in my life. Begin to work in my home, in my children my grandchildren I just pray that over them today I speak over their lives today God wonderful counselor mighty God
Lord, forgive me for areas of disobedience where I've disobeyed the spirit of counsel. Help me now, Lord. Lord, I pray you'd make wrong things right in my life. Amen, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're a good Lord. And we want to ask the men, <clears throat> Jen, the ministry team, and for anybody who would love to have some prayer this morning about this or anything else in your life that you feel like you would love for God to minister to you in a, in a way that you feel loved and cared for by the Father, is they will, if you want to come up, they'll, they'll lay hands on you and, and release the love of the Lord to you. And so you can come on up now and just and the rest of you, God bless you and be go in the in the counsel and power of God. Amen.